lecture seven part three of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture seven on patience as the perfecter of our daily duties part three the reverse of eager solicitude and disturbing excitement is found in sadness and sloth these corrupt and corrupting vices are directly opposed to patience as well as to charity they stagnate the soul and corrupt its fruits the fathers and the divines of both the eastern and western church include these two vices under the one name of acedia thus intimating that sloth and sadness go together st bonaventure gives another reason why they are both expressed by the same word because they are both enemies of religious devotion in its primitive sense the word acedia signifies a fainting or failing through weakness but here it signifies a fainting of the soul through the weakness and languor that is caused by the vice of sadness charity delights in spiritual and divine good but slothful sadness sinks the soul into self-love and egotism there it breeds an antipathy to all divine and interior good and the soul whilst adhering to sensual self-love is unwilling to rise from it to seek the divine good and adhere to it with love so that there is even a certain loathing of that good owing to the corruption of the spiritual appetite by the disease of self-love hence this vice is opposed to charity as well as to patience when it destroys charity in the soul it is mortal when it only weakens charity it is venial but even in its venial form this vice of sadness is very enfeebling and so subtle in its movement that pious souls are often deceived by it and mistake sadness for regret over their failings and deficiencies but sadness proceeds from self-love regret from the movement of grace sloth is defined to be a torpidity of soul neglecting to begin what is good sadness is defined by st thomas to be a weariness of and a moroseness with respect to internal and spiritual good to which these words of the psalm are applicable their soul aboard all manner of food psalm one hundred six verse eighteen in our catechisms it is placed as one of the capital sins under the name of sloth and is called a capital sin or vice because it is the head or immediate cause of other sins or vices for as the effect of charity is spiritual joy the effects of sadness or spiritual sloth are malice spitefulness pusillanimity despondency torpidity and wandering of the mind from good to evil thoughts such is the fertile brood of brooding sadness all its offspring partake of its moral deformity if we put together what the fathers say of sadness it is an unnerving grief and a wearing anxiety of soul that hinders cheerfulness extinguishes spiritual joy makes prayer insipid and spiritual duties distasteful 
whilst it issues in a sluggish and impracticable temper and produces the immoral and unhinging disease of sloth what we are told of st gall is equally applicable to all the saints he was joyous in action and bland in speech because sadness was a stranger to his heart we are informed by st gregory in his life of st benedict that one of the disciples of that patriarch of religion had given himself up to satan through the vices of sloth and sadness but the saint applied such a prompt and severe correction that the disciple was delivered from both vices at once the cause of sadness is either wounded pride or disappointed self-love or unreasonable anxiety cassian distinguishes two kinds of sadness one of which follows upon exhausted anger or upon some injury received or imagined to have been received or upon having been hindered or defeated in something that we desire the second kind descends as a distressing load upon the heart from unreasonable anxiety or despondency of mind like a worm within the soul this miserable vice gnaws and consumes the joy and strength of the virtues whilst the soul herself contracts and shrivels up like a leaf attacked by blight to quote its accurate description from cassian sadness makes the spirit on which it seizes bitter impatient obdurate full of rancor full of pain grief affliction and despondency it breaks down exertion stands stupefied against the entrance of healing sorrow and repentance destroys the efficacy of prayer and empties the soul of the fruits of the holy ghost under the influence of this morbid languor loneliness is preferred to the converse of society so that self-love which is the loneliest of things may be fostered in brooding melancholy for notwithstanding the pain of the malady a gloomy pleasure is extracted from the intense egotism that sadness generates the mind swarms with unpleasant fancies and delights in odious comparisons the bright cheerfulness of others is looked upon with sinister eyes as if it were an insult to the misery which the sad one loves to cherish whilst sympathy is longed for it is felt to be odious because pride predominates and to pride the sympathy of others takes the shape of commiserating our weakness peevishness and sullenness are the first steps into sadness and already partake of its obstinacy and gloom sadness is opposed to spiritual joy and patience is opposed to sadness the sorrow which is according to god has nothing of sadness in it it is a healing sorrow that as st paul says you may suffer damage by us in nothing because as the apostle continues the sorrow that is according to god worketh penance steadfast unto salvation two corinthians chapter seven verses nine and ten like convalescence after sickness this sorrow is full of comfort and consolation the vital powers are reviving under its influence and restoring the glow of charity 
blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted st matthew chapter five verse five but whilst the sorrow of repentance expands the soul into life the sorrow of sadness contracts the soul and closes her in upon herself swathes her with the bandages of bitter self-consciousness and shuts out all generous movements there she feels herself tastes herself loves herself and is unhappy on that which feeds her the remedy for all this misery is to break out by some resolute act of will from the delusion to which the soul is bound by the clammy unction of self-love a puff of wind breaks the soap-bubble and an act of kindness breaks down sadness it is justly observed by st bernard that a diversity of occupations is a great remedy for sadness this is happily provided for in the rules of religious life but in every state of life the principle of variety should be consulted variety refreshes both mind and body and prevents too much self-absorption change of occupation and change of surroundings bring change of mind relieve the system and restore its balance one cannot too much insist upon the duty of keeping all cares and solicitudes outside the heart and feelings of holding them firmly in their objective position and of making them solely the objects of the mind and judgment it requires a good strong habit of interior patience to withstand their seizing on the affections but this shows the extreme value of interior patience for unless we have this interior patience so that we can take them up and lay them down at will our solicitudes and cares will become anxieties will harass wear and obscure the mind and greatly disturb the peace and serenity of the soul how many persons have suffered both mental and moral derangement owing to this want of patient method in managing their cares there is one form of sadness which is criminally prolonged by the dwelling persistently on the memory of some great affliction loss or disappointment to the unhinging of the soul and the neglect of present duties the image of that event is kept before the mind with all its circumstances and is allowed to oppress the heart until the features bear the fixed stamp of a cherished sorrow what is worse that fond entertainment of saddened memory prolonged through the years is mistaken by the mourner for virtue as it seems to imitate the virtues of constancy endurance and perseverance the understanding is misled as well as the heart by this enduring strain of self-love and sadness but this is a sin against the providence of god whose hand is in all events against the soul herself whose powers it unnerves and depraves and against that cheerful performance of our duties for which the soul loses her freedom by brooding on events past recall it may be taken as a maxim that whatever fosters selfishness disposes the soul to sadness there is a habit of self-introspection too much indulged in by many well-meaning persons 
that is disastrous to the spirit of religious cheerfulness and generosity self-knowledge is invaluable yet it is not obtained by peering into our own darkness but by seeing ourselves as we are reflected in the divine light we shall never find what we are by dwelling in our own troubles and making them whilst we are dwelling in them but by getting our minds above them and dwelling on the goodness of god when that divine goodness will teach us what we are by comparing ourselves with him but when we dwell on ourselves alone and dwell in ourselves apart from the view of god the truth is hidden from us and we feel nothing but discouragement souls that act thus cling to themselves discouraged saddened and disheartened with their eyes bent upon their own breasts they see but themselves and that in the shallowest way it is only by looking to god that they can see themselves truly know yourself says st catherine of siena not in yourself but in god and god in you then you will find what in the sight of god you are much and solicitous occupation with oneself produces much consciousness of oneself and this breeds a sense of self that greatly interferes with the sense of god it gives not the true but a fictitious sense of oneself through means of the imagination so that we alternately hug our self-complacency and our miseries instead of looking with cheerful confidence to god for their remedy for instead of cleaving with the heart to god such souls cleave to themselves with self-love and suffer more from the subtleties of sadness than they know they are afraid to quit the sandy shores of their nature and to leave the sense of themselves behind them that they may launch forth in generous faith and confidence upon the ocean of god's goodness and mercy moreover this incessant self-introspection and consciousness of self greatly impedes the spirit of duty as well as of devotion these laborious self-inspectors cannot have that very good heart which hearing the word of god keeps it and brings forth fruit in patience for that very good heart is unselfish open loving patient cheerful generous seeking not her own but what is profitable to many and diligent in all duties for god's sake this clinging to self-consciousness leaves patience defective humility defective and charity defective for how can one be subject to god or adhere to god when internally engaged with the feeling of oneself rolled up into oneself like the snail in its slimy shell the soul can neither open herself to god nor to her neighbour she is too much engaged with her selfish feelings to look to god with serene eyes or to feel after him with a loving heart and the soul suffers suffers from internal corrosion suffers from depression and sadness suffers from irritation and impatience suffers from the want of a diviner air to breathe in suffers from anxiety and loss of cheerfulness but the cheerfulness of patient charity 
better than all those anxieties of self-introspection better than all those cleavings of self-love to self would keep away temptations and evil and purge the fancy of its megrims the irritability which in idle and self-conscious persons produces so much disorder would find its legitimate escape in useful works and services consulting the health both of body and soul labor disciplines the will to patience and endurance endurance what a power is expressed in that word endurance holds the will with firmness to god despite of every discouragement that moves in our nature endurance bears up the will in patience against every pressure of disagreeable and mortifying things endurance holds the soul intent on her good works and resists every temptation to quit good for evil endurance holds high the will above the movements of irritation fear or disheartenment and by its solid strength repels the degrading solicitations of our animal nature endurance stands firm and loyal to the love of god amidst trials disgusts and sufferings endurance holds back the soul from the grasp of sadness in a word endurance bears all things that must be borne with regardless of the pain and pressure of the time and by the virtue of patient endurance the gift of god we possess the government of our souls and keep our peaceful recollection in the face of all our adversaries but as we have so often repeated and cannot too often repeat because it is the fundamental principle of all that we are teaching this patient endurance entirely depends on the adhesion of the soul by her centre to god which must be maintained amidst the duties of life and in our combats with our trials the soldier well drilled in the use of his weapons and the movements of the field is always ready for battle confirmed by the strengthening grace of the holy spirit we are the soldiers of christ and by the daily exercise of patience and endurance we are prepared for the hour of trial which for us is the hour of combat to be unprepared is to ensure defeat when passion has swollen to its height it will listen neither to rule nor reason pride and folly are its only counsellors to use plutarch's illustration a man in the swell of passion is like a house on fire full of smoke noise and confusion he is deaf to everything but the din and clatter of the flames that rage within him but when like the falling wrecks of that fire his passion sinks down into sadness it fills his soul with choler bitterness and moroseness the will is displaced and does dismal things but whoever is well disciplined in interior patience will detect and quell the irritation before it can develop into passion the great remedy for sadness is prayer for as sadness arises from a morbid clinging to oneself prayer is the most effective way of detaching one from that inordinate self-adhesion and of drawing us off from oneself to god 
whilst it obtains the grace to overcome this vile clinging to one's own disorder is any one of you sad says st james let him pray st james chapter five verse thirteen but as it is in the nature of sadness to loathe the remedy of prayer this can only be begun by an effort and by beginning with vocal prayer which as the soul becomes freer and more detached from self will lead to mental prayer there is a quality of endurance which owing to its great value as a discipline of the soul calls for special remark that quality is the power of waiting whenever the mind is anxious or in a state of suspense and uncertainty it finds that state painful and restless and has a disposition to rush out of it into action but as this action is without due light and is unreasonable it is sure to commit us to some folly a soul that is patient waits with calm endurance for light before acting and in virtue of this calm and patient endurance suffers no pain or anxiety because the soul possesses herself and waits for light and when the mind waits patiently for light sooner or later it is sure to come trials of the mind affect us more deeply than pains of the body and if we give way to anxiety such trials become troubles and are immensely increased but this cannot happen to those patient souls who regardless of human respects feel that they are in the hands of god and are encircled with his fatherly providence and that all things are in his disposal when we see not our way through some trial or difficulty we have only to look to god and to wait in patience and in due time his light will come and guide us this very attitude of waiting this very patience of expecting will dispose the mind to receive and the will to rightly use the needful light whenever you are perplexed as to what course you should take if you go blindly into action you will be sure to repent of it wait for light wait with patience and light will not fail you but to delay where you ought to act is the very opposite to the spirit of patient waiting when you put off until tomorrow what you ought to do to-day and can do to-day this is not the waiting of patience but an unwillingness to exercise the patience required for the duty when placed under some trial that afflicts and pains the soul patient charity will recognize the will of god sent in this shape for the discipline of the virtues seek not to escape from it but remember the words of our lord take my yoke upon you wait with patient endurance the deliverance of god and this will greatly augment your virtue to abide under the trial with cheerful resignation will strengthen and sweeten your soul my yoke is sweet and my burden light the cross that is heavy to impatient anxiety is light when borne with patient love because he who gives the sensible burden gives the secret strength to bear it sweetly there are trials laid on devout souls from which every drop of sensible sweetness seems to be extracted 
the one sense left is the sense of desolation in this most purifying trial the suffering soul shares her lord's desolation on the cross yet is there a way still left to see the will of god to acquiesce in the trial to understand its justice to wait with patient endurance the coming of god and meanwhile to see the hand of god great is the pain the privation and the pressure yet the soul can desire and pray and feel her poverty abiding in the resigned attitude of waiting and endurance and she is conscious of the divine wisdom expressed in the words of ecclesiasticus wait on god with patience join thyself to god and endure that thy life may be increased in the latter end ecclesiasticus chapter two verse three magnificent is the patience of faith under such a trial well endured and the more so because the sufferer sees not the virtue of his endurance it is only beheld by the helping angels what the soul sees is her native poverty what she desires is the divine goodness what she feels in the depth of her spirit is an infusion of the gift of endurance then will the heart say to god with the psalmist hear o lord my voice with which i have cried to thee have mercy on me and hear me my heart hath said to thee my face hath sought thee thy face o lord will i still seek turn not thy face from me i believe to see the good things of the lord in the land of the living expect the lord do manfully and let thy heart take courage and wait for the lord psalm twenty six verses seven through nine thirteen and fourteen see how the soul is drawn to god by the trial that only seems to take her from him the voice seeks him the heart seeks him the face seeks him the wants of the soul seek him the desolation seeks him patience pleads endurance pleads the expectant waiting of the soul pleads and love pleads in them all and when all these pleadings have purified the spirit and drawn every purified desire from self to god then god shows his face to that soul in the great benignity and sweetness of his visitation end of lecture seven part three